Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello everyone, welcome to part two of the Stompcast. Peter and I are wandering uh, along a beautiful glen here. It is a autumnal day. We've got a doggo that's come and says hello. We've got an owner out for a lovely he's walk. He's marking his dog. tree. Yeah, he's marking his tree. That is actually his tree, clearly. He doesn't <laughs> want to say hello, he's far too busy. It is an autumnal day here, but it's so nice for it. Like this is quite literally stompers heaven uh, for every stomper out there. This is incredible. I will leave the details in the show notes and I'll show on the Instagram as well exactly where we came for the walk. So it's, what does it call this area again? It's Groudle Glen. Groudle Glen. So Groudle Glen, we'll leave the details um, in the show notes and also I'll put something on Instagram as well. I would really recommend coming on this walk any time of year because actually it's been pretty windy and wet but if you want to come out on a wet day, this is great because you're it's in the trees. Really sheltered, yeah. We've been all right. I mean, you're in a hoodie, so yeah. it's a bit you're in your BMW kit. And I was worried we might get a bit wet, but we've been we've been okay. And funny, speaking of that, um, I came out to Elmira Race Circuit on the BMW Motorrad kind of trip. We were riding on the RRs as well as a couple of the other uh, bikes, and yourself and some of the other BSB boys. Uh, Rutter was there as well. Yeah, a few Josh, people. my teammate. As Josh well, was yeah. there, of course, as well. Um, and people were going out on the back with you guys and also yeah. you were doing a lot of coaching and things. And it was an amazing trip. And um, I mean, you were getting, not hounded and such, people were very much uh, grabbing your attention. So I didn't get to kind of chat to you uh, on that occasion, but it was incredible to see you guys going around. But what was really nice is that, well, not nice perhaps because of the circumstance, but one of the people that came on the trip came off their bike. Um, one of the lady riders came off the bike, um, just happens right like you know we're all going around a circuit like some people are going to crash times and she was actually uh or she is actually a really good rider way more skilled than i am and you know it just happens uh at times but what was really nice is she was telling me is that you went over and sat with her for a while after she came off and you know she actually broke a few bones um i remember seeing her hands for example saying oh you know we're worried about that and you know she really took away that you kind of took the time to sit with her She's quite shaken up, and I think she in was. some ways she felt yeah. embarrassed, you know, about it. And I think your words really helped. What did you What did you say to her? Yeah, I think exactly that. I think yeah, I remember seeing her kind of sat in the corner. She was properly shook up. Um, I actually don't. I didn't know Kate. I knew who she was. Yeah. Um, but I'd never met her before. Yeah. But I could see she was super shook up about it. So I, I just basically explained to her, look, at the end of the day, as long as you're okay, and I think I think she might have broke a finger or something she along did, those lines. She did, yeah, she broke a few bones, actually. Um, we're going you know, under, you're going to hear a bit of echo, because we're going underneath yeah. the uh, uh, bridge here. But I basically was just saying, look, as long as you're all right, the rest of it's just a piece of metal. You know, yeah. it's, she was so worried about the fact that it was a BMW bike, and she'd crashed it, and I think, I think there was probably a little bit of embarrassment, like you said, behind it as well, but... We're riding bikes. <laughs> if you're riding bikes, at some point you're probably going to fall off. Yeah. It's the nature of the beast, and yeah. and that's pretty much what I said to her. I didn't say too much. I was just like, look, as long as you're all right, don't worry about it. Don't stress about it. No one cares. Like, the the bike's not even that bad anyway. You're fine. Yeah. So what are you worried about? Yeah. You know, it doesn't. It really doesn't matter. 
How yeah. important is it as a racer to have that mindset of like accepting that failure is an inevitable part of success? Because <laughs> yeah. it is, right? You're racing bikes. You're yeah. going to crash at some point. And you, you only, to, but you're going to. It doesn't matter how much somebody tells you not to do something until you do it and do it wrong. You'll never learn. <laughs> you learn by your mistakes. You really, you know, that is just how it is. And is that power? Like, because you hear a lot of racing drivers and riders talking about like finding the limit. Is yep. that is the only way sometimes to step beyond it? Unfortunately, yeah. You have to go slightly along like past the white line to go, oh actually yeah, I'll come back, I'll re yeah. rein that in by there. And a I lot, guess that's part of that, isn't it? A lot of the time it, you do learn by going beyond the limit and then having to understand sometimes to find the limit you have to go beyond it. And when you go beyond it, generally you end up on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have to understand what you did and, and why you did it. Yeah. And then how to then not do that again, yeah. but still get to the limit. Yeah. That's the thing with racing. We're all trying to go as fast as possible yeah. without falling off and to beat your competitors. And yeah. there's some super fast competitors about. So you have got to be on that limit, but without going beyond it. And that's yeah. actually really hard to do. Yeah. It takes a lot of time and experience. So I was out there riding on a few of the BMW bikes and um, uh, one of the bikes I was riding was the S1000 RR, which of course is the super bike that you were riding yep. uh, the year just gone and you did the 136 point something miles per hour 358. 136.358 mile per hour average, which was a new record uh, and a ridiculous speed. And I, I, I find it really crazy because I actually have thanks to BMW lending me the bike, that S1000RR, not the one you're riding clearly, but the S1000RR road bike uh, at home, and I've been riding it in the summer, and I always sit in there, and I'm like, especially when you had done, broken the record with the average, I was sitting on it thinking like, it's so weird that this, by and large, I know there's, this is, it's pretty, it is the bike, Yeah, isn't very it? similar, yes, yeah, so, so the bike I race is an M1000RR, which is slightly different yeah. to the S, but they're very, you know, they're quite similar. similar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the because the, 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 the lap record that I did was on the actual Superstock bike, Superstock not bike. the Superbike. Yeah, so, it's on the Superstock, yeah. Of yeah, so it actually has a lot less trick gizmos on it than what the Superbike does. So it's it's very it's about as close as you'll ever get to a road bike without it being a road bike. That's probably what I'm trying to say. Well, I was what I was thinking because the reason I was thinking that is that you know we talk about limits. It's like my limit and the bike's limit are very, <laughs> very different. <laughs> different. So when I was on that race circuit, I was going around watching it, other people like yourself and just some of the other people going around taking it probably to the bike's limit. And I was like, I'm very much staying to my limits here. <laughs> uh, and that's probably a part of like, I guess, as you growing up and learning about any skill or any sport, it's, it's also remembering where you're, you know, pushing yourself, but also remembering it takes time and years to build that level of skill, right? Dedication. Don't run before you can walk. It's something that I always say to people. I get asked a lot, either from Instagram people or Facebook people that, that I don't even know, saying, oh, I really want to get into racing. What do, what's your best bit of advice? And my advice always is, do not run before you can walk. I thought you were going to say, don't do it, though. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask my dad. Cause don't ask my dad, because he'll tell you no. Do not actually <laughs> do it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So for those that perhaps, um, we're going to talk a little bit now about kind of the day in the lifestyle, <laughs> a, a day in the lifestyle of a, a superbike rider, a TT racer. Um, and I think perhaps it's interesting to start from the perspective of how you prepare physically, because I think people, understandably, if you're not you know, aware of the sport or don't watch so much, you perhaps don't realize how physical it is. Yeah. You know, you're going around 37 miles roughly for the TT lap, you sometimes do well, multiple laps of that, it's, you, you, your, your body's under a huge amount of g-forces. What does training look like when you're getting ready to for race season? It's different for everybody and that goes back to the mindset, your also physical uh, appearance already as it is naturally because everybody, you know, if you're small in stature you're going to need a lot more muscle to be able to hang on to that bike whereas someone like myself, I'm six foot two, yeah. So I've got a lot of leverage just because mm. of my height. So because of that, I don't really want the muscle. I want stamina. So for me, it's things like cycling is a big thing. Yeah. Um, not particularly much walking. Slower two yeah, wheels. it's yeah. a much slower two wheels. But mountain biking and road cycling for me is is all I really need to do. And I think that again comes back to my this sport is is a real mental sport. Ninety percent of it is in your head. It re it really is. It's more than what people think. That's not to say it's not physical because it is. You know, 37 three quarter miles, we do six laps in Subaru race, that's 226 miles. And we do it in an hour and 40, including two pit stops. And we'll think about that's like the distance of like, well, actually that's the distance pretty much of my house. I used to live in Carmarthen all the way to London. So think yeah. how far it would take you to drive that. <laughs> that drive would yeah. take me five hours probably. Yeah, and we do it in an hour <laughs> and 40 minutes, including <laughs> stopping twice for fuel and a rear tire. So yeah, the, the physical exertion is, is big. But for me, it's more about the mental side of it. Um, so I don't do loads of training because it's not something that I feel that I need, but a lot of people do. So I know there's a lot of riders that do a lot of running, lots of cycling, loads of gym work. I hate the gym. Like, I cannot stand walking into the gym. I'm defeated before I start when I walk into the gym. I can't that's think of anything worse than looking at myself in a mirror yeah. and lifting weights. That's just not for me at all. So it's kind of like part of it, even in that, feel that or in sport is you're still trying to find the things you enjoy to achieve the outcome yes the sounds of it like you enjoy going on the back of the bike basically two yeah, wheels exactly. down a mountain or whatever then that's what you enjoy if so i try and always do things that i enjoy i've done things like badminton in the past and table tennis and like stuff that has high reaction speed so hand-eye coordination and high reaction speed is something that i what i need in my sport is that you know here at the tt you've got to have super fast reactions also Oof. in british superbikes as well so you've got to be ready. Like I've seen like, <laughs> ready for F anything. F1 drivers, with the lights and stuff Yeah, like that. so I've got them as well. Yeah. yeah. So I use a system called BlazePod, um, which is, uh, you can get them in the UK. You can add as many as you want to you get it all on an app on your phone. Super simple, dead easy. And just, yeah, you can use it in lots of different sorts of training ways as well. You can have them across the, across your sports hall or whatever, and you can run around hitting all the different lights or you can do certain exercises when certain colored lights come on. There's a, it's a really good reaction time system for training. Do you find that you're getting 
So when you do it now, do you find that, you, that, that working on, I know this sounds silly, but working on those reaction times, do they get quicker? Yes, do, can you generally. break those pathways yeah. to be quicker, like the speed of your reaction? 100%, and you definitely get used to it as well. So to, if you do the same thing three times, if you did like a reaction test three times, the second and third time generally are your best because your brain's caught up to what you're doing. It's creating those kind of like pathways yeah. of reaction. And I guess in a way, it's kind of like the, some of it is going to be muscle memory as well. It's like when you first ride a bicycle when you're a kid, <laughs> like the first time it's like you're, you're on a spaceship, you're like, what's going on? I can't balance, like nothing makes sense. Proprioception's going to be out. But then like, when you get on a bicycle now, you don't think about it. In a way, I guess when you get on the motorbike, you're exactly. not, you get on it and I hadn't ridden for a good couple of years before I started doing my um, theory test and whatever and like you're still like oh gosh like I've, I've, I've grown up <laughs> you've on, got to think about I've it. grown up using like clutch so I was fine on it but uh, you yeah you, I was thinking about it again yeah whereas you don't you don't want to think it's like you're just going to go yeah so it's like you get you're almost like training to the point where it's like without you even making a cognitive thought around it isn't it it's like reaction to it absolutely 100% let's talk about a day in the life then so, <laughs> day in the life so, what, so for a TT day TT yeah because you've got the Ironman TT it was started um, in 1907 wasn't it it was the original it was, yeah. was a, uh, a dirt track uh, circuit oldest uh, motorsport event in the world oldest motorsport event in the world started with cars wasn't it and then moved on to moved bikes on to but those bikes in those days had like half or one horsepower <laughs> um, and had a like an actual pedal element to it and because you know Isle of Man has a lot of changes in elevation you, lots of it you wouldn't be able to get up of course with the power that they had so they had a smaller circuit of about 15 miles and they did uh, 10 laps of that of course that's evolved massively over the years into the 37 and three quarter circuit that we have now and of course on the island so effectively for the two weeks the island goes into tt mode pretty much it? yeah so when do you arrive for the for the racing so the, the event actually happens over two weeks so we pretty much have a week of practice and then a week of racing or a week of qualifying and a week of racing mm -hmm. um i actually get here early-ish so the first day uh this year was on a monday because the schedule changed quite a lot this year to normal so yeah, this year started on a Monday, and I was here on the Thursday before. So a good few days before the actual event started. Uh, I come over in my motorhome, which uh, is American RV, so it's nice and big. It's, it's basically, a big boy, isn't it? It's, it's a, a flat on cool. wheels, basically. Exactly. <laughs> what's inside of it? Because I've seen photos of it. Like, yeah. What does it look like? So I actually live in mine. Yeah. So, so mine is my oh, house. that's awesome. So, yeah, I don't actually have a house. That's um, so sick. Yeah. It's a 2006 Monaco Diplomat, um, so she's getting on a bit now. She's an old girl, but she's, she's beautiful inside. It's really light inside, which a lot of the American style is very dark, yeah. dark wood, yeah, which that. I don't yeah. really like. Yeah, I my, agree. Mine one's pine, so yeah. it's all pine and cream leather, so yeah. it's really bright inside, which makes it feel a bit bigger and yeah. more homely when you walk in. Uh, but yeah, we've got like, I've got a double bed in the back. I've got a washing machine, dryer, proper full-size shower, proper toilet, big American fridge in it. Like, what, what more do you need? That sounds pretty you epic. Know? And you live there with your girlfriend? Uh, no, my girlfriend lives in Belfast. Okay. Uh, Jill's over in, yes, she's a, she's a Londonderry girl, and then, uh, but she, li she works outside of Belfast, or yeah, inside okay. Belfast. Um, so you basically go around in your like, yeah. mobile, like, traveling, <laughs> like, my mobile anywhere, home. anywhere home, and then she can join you as and when. It sounds like a exactly. great life, doesn't it? Yeah, that's basically like, what happens. Here's the home this week. Ah, we're off to Donington, <laughs> yeah. we're off to whatever. That is exactly how it works. So uh, as much as I do a lot of traveling, Jill does pretty much all of the traveling to come see me. Mm. Um, so yeah, we're, so she actually missed practice week this year. 
but she came out at the end of practice week ready for, for the race week. So she did the whole TT race week with me. Is but, she nervous ahead of that week? I mean, it must be for all of your family. It must, it must be, it must be anxiety inducing to an yeah. extent, right? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, because of the obvious danger, it's, yeah. it's always going to be nerve wracking for the people that are close to you. My mum and dad come to the TT, they always do. They're here for about four weeks. They come a week before the TT starts. They leave a week after. Sounds like a bloody um, good trip to Yeah, me, basically yeah. it's their holiday in the caravan. So they bring the caravan, absolutely love it. Um, and Jill does that whole race week with me. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it's a kind of a question for them with how nervous they get, but, but I think it's quite kind of an obvious one. Although at the same time, as I've always said to them, I know what I'm capable of. I know what I'm doing. I'm not an idiot. I'm not a hothead. Like they don't, I always try and say to them, try not to worry about me. Yeah. Like I'm only going to do what I feel I'm comfortable yeah. with and what I feel is safe. Yeah. And it's interesting because meeting you and talking to you, and of course I've seen uh, interviews that you've done in the past, both one of them watching, say the, the TT or, or interviews that you've done. You, I, I, I'd seen already you're a cool and calm <laughs> person and you're very, very cool and calm. Uh, and your energy is very, very like assured and relaxed in, in many ways. And perhaps mm. people wouldn't expect, not that we'll go back no. to my time, but perhaps people wouldn't expect that of someone. I think that imagine a racer being like a super hot-headed, perhaps wild yeah. character. And some of the, like, some of them are, of course. Some of, of the course G they are, yeah. Some boys as well are. can be. But, you know, it's very different perhaps to what, what, what you'd expect. And maybe for your family, that probably is more comforting. It's like, okay, like, you know, he really, he's calm, he's making like a cognitive decision here based on what he thinks he wants to do and his skill and all that kind of thing. Well, I hope it helps. <laughs> I, I hope, hope, I hope they see it the same way that you're seeing it right so now. Everyone, so everyone comes down, you're here kind of a couple of days, maybe a week before, and then yeah. you go into the practice yeah, week. On, so what happens, Monday. what happens in, in the week? Like you're, so you've got your, you've got your part ferme, you've got the yeah. area that you'll... That so you're to start with, we'll all have a briefing even before the event starts. So there'll be a massive briefing, all the riders, team managers or bosses or both. Um, the TT organizers will talk to us about what happened last year, what they were happy with, maybe what they weren't happy with. Okay. Um, whether that be from riders teams or something that did or didn't happen. They'll then go through whatever changes they've implemented because of that whatever them situations or circumstances were. Are those safety were. things usually? A lot, a lot of yeah. it's safety, usually. Um, some of it could be running of the event. Um, and then they'll go through with the riders in particular, what they've changed from either a running order point of view or, or an organizational point of view. They'll then go through what's happened to the actual circuit itself. So obviously th these are normal roads we're talking about. It's yeah. not a racetrack, They're literally normal, normal roads. Right around, like I think when I yeah. did the trike tour, the, the, the probably the most obvious like thing I was like wow I was like no those really are normal roads yeah <laughs> are. and then they're Cars not are just driving they're not them. a roads they're yeah. b roads yeah <laughs> it, it, they're, they're all little back country yeah. lanes that's yeah. basically what it is so they're bumpy they're really uneven there's lots of different tarmac changes and obviously year to year there's patchwork maybe been done or complete section of tarmac been done somewhere so they'll actually physically show us on the screen X, Y, and Z has changed. Okay. This is the picture of how it looked before. This is the picture of how it is now. Make sure you go out and have a look before you ride the bike. Yeah. Like, really just to make sure everyone is up to date. So people on... really do need to know the circuit. Oh, yeah. well, over 200 corners or whatever. Yeah, about 260 someone 260. told me. But I've never counted. You have to know. And, and, and actually when I've watched, um, there's a great video, obviously the latest video is, is on there, but the video where you're narrating 
the yeah. the lap and you've got the fly in the top corner the bug you must have really annoyed you that but it actually adds to it almost um and you're like narrating all the corners you're like kind of saying the gear or what you're doing or it's full yeah. throttle and you talk like i was like wow you literally know every inch of this tarmac yeah really. and i'm only telling you probably about a third maybe of what i'm actually taking Thinking, in because yeah. i can't say it fast enough <laughs> if anybody's actually watched any of the onboard YouTube yeah. videos, you must, they'll know, they'll you know must go and watch yeah. it. It's absolutely, it's, it's honest, I showed um, Charlie last night, I was like, I only did to watch this latest one. And Charlie, your, your jaw was like on the kitchen table <laughs> and your eyes were very wide. I thought you needed a glass of water. It's a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, she needed a glass. <laughs> you needed a glass. a glass of water. Yeah, so that's, it's, a bit, it's just a bit scary to me. So you, you really, so when you, so the preparation starts, I guess, long before for people, because you really need oh, to know way, the way track, before, know the circuit. Yeah. yeah. So they kind of go through all the changes. Go what through all the changes. Next? Then we have to do what's called scrutineering. So scrutineering is, they're checking the safety and legality of the bikes and also the equipment that you're wearing. So the helmets have to be a certain standard, the gloves, the leathers your back protector, your chest protector, all that sort of stuff, it all has to be up to a certain standard. So you have to take all of that to them and they basically inspect it all. In front Check of you, it. Like, yeah, in do front they tap of you. it as well? Yeah. Tap the helmet, yep, that's uh, good. They, don't, they normally, so they have like QR codes on a yeah. lot of the stuff now. Um, in date, lots, yeah, everything, yeah, even as something as daft as being in date. Has anyone turned up with an out of date like oh, yeah, helmet or something like that? Ah, happens all the time. It's from the 1970s, yeah. this one, be all right, yeah. Well, so dad lent it to me. <laughs> So helmet, uh, in particular, helmet dates is seven years max, which is actually isn't that long. No, that doesn't. When you think long. about it, I've got so. a new helmet now, but it's all, you know already a year and a half old. But yeah, I, I, just, did, I actually didn't know. And that how helmet. long was it in the shop before you bought it? That's a really good point. So it could have been six months or more. Yeah, it could have been three years. You don't know. Oh God, yeah. You're not sure <laughs> but there is a label on there. I can show you where it is. Okay, yeah. There's a label that will tell you when it was actual data yeah. manufactured. That's a really good safety point for people, though. Check on that because the helmet, like, literally, is probably the, is it fair to say the most important. Part yeah, of piece yeah, of one of yeah. Please. Uh, What's check the price on your head? Is what I always say when people put a fifty-pound helmet on their head. Yeah. Like, is that all your head is worth? Yeah. I I got a good helmet, so I was <laughs> I'm not you know I need to be careful here. That's for sure. So, so yeah, so we go through all the all the scrutineering process. So the bike will get checked as well. It'll get checked for safety as well as legality. Um, make sure it's entered into the right class, just yeah. daft things like that. Yeah. And then there'll already be a schedule, we'll already know what sort of time that we're heading out to, although obviously that can change a lot on the Isle of Man. So what's one of the other unique things for the Isle of Man TT is we don't ride if it rains, which sounds really stupid when we're in the middle of the Irish Sea. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like this year, for example, it didn't rain at all. No. Oh, the whole entire unbelievable. Two weeks. unbelievable. I was so jealous watching it. I was like, <laughs> oh man, I have a couple of friends who are out here for it. And I was really, excuse the pardon, man. I was really, uh, I was really jealous. It was beautiful conditions. It was really, really good. But sometimes, obviously, like 2019 in particular, was a really bad year for weather. You know, if it rains, we don't go out. Simple as, and they'll just move the schedule to the next day or the next evening or whatever they need to do to make it run. This year, everything worked perfect. So we knew what time we were out. The bikes would go up quite a bit before me. Again, I'm very chilled out, relaxed. So I kind of tend to turn up probably only five minutes before well the, i was told that by the, the guy yesterday line. he said that peter just basically swings a leg over and next seconds he's opening the throttle yeah that's <laughs> pretty much how it works yeah. that's how they described it so it sounds accurate yeah so so i tend to like the team will have the bike up there they will have everything prepared we'll already have a plan of what bike i'm going to go out on first because yeah. also another un unusual or interesting thing with the tt i don't just ride one bike i've got four bikes here so four different types of bikes in four different classes. They all ride different. 
The braking markers are different. The... So you've got the super, site, super stock. Is it yeah. the six? Seven? Super bike, super stock, super sport, super. and super twin. Super twin. So and you're for... riding all of those bikes? Yeah, I ride all of them bikes. And in some nights, I'll ride all of them. So it's you've got to be really switched. That's where the, the tiredness point, though, is a huge thing, isn't it? Yeah. Because so even, even doing one lap for someone, you'd be exhausted and need to go like, lie down after doing it. To do that and then multiple laps on different bikes that ride differently. It's quite, yeah, again, mentally draining. And like this year, the first day on the Monday, I did nine laps. That's wow. a long ass way. Wow. Well, that's what, <laughs> nearly 300 miles. Isn't yeah. That? Yeah, that is. That's over 300 it's miles. It's over 300 miles, yeah. Bloody hell, think, and if you think if you go, if, so if I imagine like driving back to, to Wales, which is 220 miles to my house, I'm kind of tired to be honest by the time <laughs> I get there. And I'm just going along on cruise control. I'm not yeah. even doing anything, cruise control's on, I've sat there, and I'm tired by the time I get back. If you think about what you're doing, it's, and, and again, for context, you know, and anyone what, definitely go and watch um, this year's lap so you can see it. Um, your margins are inches. Yeah, yeah. So you have to be absolutely <laughs> pinpoint accurate. Pinpoint accurate because the the level the, the make a mistake is a big problem. The, isn't the it? consequence from a small mistake is huge. So yeah, the level of concentration has to be absolutely on point. But, so, but yeah. going back to the to the day, we'll already have a plan. Yeah. So I'll already know which bike I'm going out on. So I have to make sure I've got the right leathers on yeah. for that bike as well, of course. Uh, Why is that, it? Wait a minute. So the leather you have to have different leathers. Well, on. so because a lot of the bikes, so the bikes I'm race, uh, so I race for FHO yeah. BMW, which is my main priority. Yeah. Um, so the Superbike and the Super Stock bike, both M1000 double R's, uh, both for FHO racing. Beautiful looking bikes. So Beautiful bikes, sponsored by Monster this year as well. So yeah. they look really, really cool. Oh, really cool. And, and the then, big wing on it is amazing. It's yeah, so cool. they're, they're completely different. Pretty much everything else on the grid, to yeah. be fair. And then in the Super Sport class, I actually, in Super Sport and Super Twin class, I actually run my own bikes personally with my own little team. So I've got a couple of 18-year-old lads. I've got um, a couple of older guys that are a bit more experienced to try and teach the younger lads as well. So it's quite a small team, but running still two bikes. That's um, so awesome. Is and that have, reward? Does that feel rewarding to yeah, bring, very, bring young people It is when it goes, goes well. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. So, well, so I have Trooper Beer, which is a the beer of Iron Maiden, believe it or not, um, sponsor me on the, on the Supersport really bike, cool. on the little Triumph. And then uh, the little R7 Yamaha that I raced this year in the Super Twins was completely my own bike. So um, yeah, I had my PHR performance logo on the side of it, which is my own business that I run as a performance center for, for people. So oh, I've got all them things going on. So I have to make sure I've got the right leathers on yeah. for a start. Yeah. I have to make sure I'm well hydrated, eating enough during the day. Yeah and be prepared for what we're about to do, which going around the Isle of Man TT is like nothing else in the world. So when you swing your leg onto the bike, you're coming up to the start line. What do you think about in those moments before, you know, you've got the ground, you've got the grandstand on, on the side of you, you're ready to get going. What is actually going through your mind? So I would say I'm probably a little bit different to most people, but how you get on the bike, you get on the bike, or you will, normally a mechanic wheels your bike to a point where there's a fence. And at that point, there's only bikes and riders allowed past that point. Okay. So you get to that fence, you swing your leg over the bike, give them a, my mechanic off, which are all my mates, all my mechanics are all my mates as well. So we're kind of like, see you in 20 minutes or 40 minutes, whatever the plan is. Yeah. Uh, you know, am I doing one lap or am I doing two laps? Because we can only do two laps on a, on a right. tank of fuel, okay. so it's a maximum of two laps before you've got to pull in anyway. So we'll have a plan though, are we doing one or two? Yeah. Right, see you in 20 minutes or 40 minutes, whatever yeah. it may be. And, uh, and then you have a, a little space, it's probably 
20 meters 30 meters before the actual start line it's called no man's land because mm -hmm. there's literally just you and the bike yeah. there's no one else so God, just whoever, so you're all like, in single file i'd be we, shitting myself that <laughs> sorry, sorry to swear guys we'll be setting off in 10 second intervals so we don't all set off together uh and you just have that little bit of calmness before the storm almost really it's for me again i'm very i'm quite different to a lot of other people i'm super relaxed i'm dead chilled out i'm actually just really excited to get going so i'm not nervous at all i'm not scared at all i just want to I, I'm literally in my, in my first in my first lap this year. I'm just like, can't wait. It's been 50 weeks since I've been able to do this. You're just buzzing. Basically. Yeah, absolutely buzzing to get going, and I'm like, I just want to get going. Do you ever do? Because like, listening to you, I'm not sure you've ever actually said you've been afraid. Do you do you think you experience fear? <laughs> yeah. And if you do, how do you experience fear? I'd be interested to see if it's like what I think. So I know how I feel. I'm afraid. <laughs> do you think you do feel afraid ever in I'm, general at all? I'm not. I'm not. Not particularly not really that way inclined again and i think it's that i'm probably just a bit weird <laughs> but i just i just don't have this worry of things so like i just don't people fear the unknown because they talk about um a lot you know with uh people who do extreme sports or mm. you know yeah this kind of thing i guess is that that the fear part of the brain the amygdala either behaves differently or is underactive or there's blood supplies or whatever it is that perhaps that part of the brain is different for different just people. Just different where you yeah. just don't feel the like fear is not the same for you perhaps as it would be for me. Or you interpret that yeah, feeling in true. a different way. As excitement. Yeah, maybe I don't, uh, maybe I feel the same way that someone feels yeah. they're nervous, but I feel excited because yeah. I'm like, I can't wait to get going. <laughs> Whereas their feeling is that they're nervous and they're shitting themselves yeah yeah so, so, so it might so be true. the same feeling we just interpret well, they do it say, and i use that in terms of like if i'm going to do and do a talk tree report if i've got a really important meeting say like i don't know i'm sitting down with the prime minister or something i'm like oh, this is really important i've got to get this right i can initially start to feel the things of nerves but what i then say is i'm excited yeah this is opportunity it's be great i'm excited and you start telling your brain and this is very different there's no risk of me <laughs> the risks are very different uh although you know the importance of it in the sense i've got to get it right is high, yeah, and, it's high. And, and 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 it's like retraining that bit of your brain i guess perhaps i don't know that's i'm trying to like relate to it or think how interpret it in 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 my own way i guess so i mean going on from fear a little bit not to we'll, we'll hold on to this oh hover over this topic too long because of course you know it's it's sad to think about but people die racing don't they the, the tt they race do, yeah, they, people do people do die and over the years there have been a number of deaths uh, and so on uh, you touch upon the safety point do you think i know that the the, the organizers work a lot on the safety aspect how they work safety... on it more than what people give them credit for. yeah so how how, how much because i think that's often people go oh well it's unsafe they obviously don't it's reckless or whatever what and I want to address that point for that reason. What safety considerations are made? How has the sport changed in terms of safety? And what do you think more might be done in years to come that might help with some of the risks associated? There are obviously inevitably going to be risks. Yeah, I mean, its whole nature is a fact that it is really risky. That's, yeah. that's part of its appeal. Yeah. Yeah. As, as, as coarse as that may sound, that yeah. is part of its appeal, is the fact that it isn't safe and the best way I think someone has described it to me, and it was Lee Johnson, one of my competitors, and that was, if you see a rock climber, and you see a rock climber that's got all the ropes and all the bits and fans, so if he makes a mistake or she makes a mistake, they're absolutely safe, no problem yeah. at all. And then you see somebody 
free soloing it, which is completely no ropes, yeah. no guides, no help. If that person makes a mistake, the consequences yeah. are inevitable. Yeah. And that's kind of like what the TT is. Because if you make a mistake, the consequence is kind of obvious, yeah. really. In, in, you know, we're doing, like I said, 95% of the circuit over 160 mile an hour. If you make a mistake and crash, well, what's going to happen at 160 yeah. mile an hour on a normal road? Bad things. Yeah. yeah. So inevitably, this whole sport is dangerous, but that is part of its attraction. Now, to make it safe, you can make it safer. You can't make it safe. Yeah. I think that that is probably something that people forget. You know, and I've had people try and like compare F1 to it and stuff. I'm like, it's just a different, it's a different sport. Yeah. You can't, you can't do that to here. If you made, it's just a normal road. Well, you'd have to basically, we'd have to, well, the answer would be go to a circuit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If that's what you want to do, go to a race circuit where it's purpose designed for racing and as safe as it possibly can be. And obviously sometimes things happen on race circuits as well, because yeah, speed, metal, the big things that we're either riding or driving, you know, when they collide, bad things can happen. But the, the Isle of Man TT organizers have done a big, big push on safety in recent years in particular. Yeah. Even as daft as the helmets, making sure that they're at the right, you know, the right age or the right certificates that you can use and same for the leathers and same for the gloves and the boots. You know, there's a lot of people that don't do all that sort of stuff with their own kit. You know, they just use Oh, I'm using my dad's gloves that he raced in, or I'm using someone's boots that I've lent, and you just, <laughs> you'd be amazed how people themselves as a rider maybe don't even think about that sort of thing. But it's not even just that. We're talking marshals. I think there's something like over 400 marshals on the TT mm. course. So for that. And they all volunteer. They're well, all volunteers, they, yeah. but they all get training. They've all been taught how they, should react with certain situations. There's a massive control tower that controls the entire course. Yes. There, there's, yeah. been, there's been absolutely loads implemented in the background that probably even us as riders don't see all of it. Mm. You know, we, we have medical tests, we have to have, uh, we get drugs tested even as well. So even something as silly as that, that might sound stupid to some people, but is making sure people aren't in the wrong mindset or in the wrong physical shape for what they're about to do. And so I guess as we come to the end of part two, um, what do you feel per, that the Isle of Man, the TT means to you personally as someone obviously that's achieved so much here? And, 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 and what does it mean to the people that, you know, in your experience, what does it mean to the people that live here that are from the Isle of Man? What does TT racing and that two weeks mean to you and both, both the people here? I mean, this place is just phenomenal to be quite honest for so many different reasons. The TT in particular is just a huge event. You know, the island has about 80,000 people on it. It swells to something like 140,000, so it swells by another 50%. There's people absolutely everywhere. The whole island's buzzing around TT. And mm. what I always say to people, they don't, even if they're not into bike racing, people will have a good time here if they mm. come here at TT. It's actually quite family orientated. There's loads of stuff going on. The atmosphere is just unbelievable. For me personally, it's just an event like no other in the world. Uh, I've, I've been lucky enough to race all over the world, do lots of different stuff, raced in World Championship, World Superbikes, done some wild cards, raced British Superbike Championship, I've raced in New Zealand, I've raced in Australia. I've been, been all over and yet there's still nothing quite like the Isle of Man TT. Nothing really gets anywhere near it. Um, for the people here, 
it's all sorts. Not only is it the racing, but it's the tourism that comes into the Isle of Man, which obviously with the tourism brings money as well to help their, their economy. I know quite a few of the business owners here in, in, on the Isle of Man and TT is a massive part of their year. You know, they, of course. They, they make as much money as they can at TT to pretty much last them most of the year, you know? So it's a, it's a real big deal for, for the Isle of Man. It's almost like a way of life, isn't it? For the yeah, Island. it is a way of life, life, yeah. It seems. And the Isle of Man is steeped in motorsport history, not just for the TT, for all sorts, for rallying, for trials riding, for enduro. If you, if you really read into it, Isle of Man is so much history. I mean, I even learned, with motorsport. I, I didn't know um, that the checkered flag was started here. Yeah. Well, I the, didn't know that until now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the um, so I was told yesterday on on the on the on the track tour that um, that the there was an accident years ago where a rider didn't realise that the race had ended, and they were like, "We need to learn from," and then crashed, unfortunately, uh, and died. Um, uh, sadly, and they wanted to go. Well, how do I? How do we signal that the race is over? Yeah. And so, well, we need a flag that's clearly identifiable that you can obviously see and know this means the end. And that was the checkered flag. That oh, was it. Go. And then that's that's influenced racing. Well, that's that's the checkered flag. Influenced all flag, racing. Yeah, it? yeah. It's like so. It's, it's 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 from the very start of motorsport all the way through. This 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 island feel, feeds everything, doesn't it? It appears so. I didn't even know that. That's a fact There's I did a cool not know. Fact. There's a cool That's fact. That's a very well, cool fact. I've got to say, it's thanks to the, the guys yesterday. I learned a lot. I was just soaking it all in. It was amazing. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of part two um, of the Stompcast. Uh, join us uh, for part three. We'll continue. I want to talk to you a little bit about life outside of racing, the lessons you've learned in life in, in general along the way, and also a little bit about you outside of the race circuit and the things that you get up to, things like the business and so on. We're wicked to hear about as well. No right, guys, we'll see you all in part three. Goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.